Hello, Disney fans, and welcome to the show. My name is Austin Terrace, and I'm joined here today by my two wonderful sisters, Kylie. Hey, everybody. And Emma. Hi, everyone. Coming up on this episode of Disney Daydream, the Game of Thrones creators are stepping away from their movie trilogy deal with Lucasfilm. Construction for the transformation of Epcot is underway, and California Adventure adds new entertainment for Festival of the Holidays. Later on, we'll share with you a complete guide to Epcot. So, take a little break in your busy day, and let's start daydreaming. Please remember to follow us on Instagram at Diz Daydream, like us on Facebook at Disney Daydream Podcast, send us an email if you'd like at DizDaydream at gmail.com, and make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite streaming platform, and give us a rating or leave us a review if you'd like. We do have a shout out to give this episode to Rob from Fenton, Michigan. Thank you very much, Rob, for being part of our uh, donation family. If you are interested in becoming a patron for our show, check out patreon.com slash Disney Daydream. We accept monthly financial donations starting at just $3 a month, and this goes to support all of the costs that we incur as a show in terms of maintaining our equipment, paying to keep our show up on all of those streaming platforms, and uh, to upgrade our equipment. So every single dollar helps. We're very, very thankful for the patrons that we have now. And just so you know, we offer perks to those patrons. So you can get access to things like monthly mini episodes that we release. You can get personalized shout outs. You can receive a monthly limited edition sticker that's designed by Emma. And if you're part of our highest tier, the all the way to the castle tier at $25 or more per month, then you get to select a Disney topic of your choosing for us to cover on a future episode. So check us out, patreon.com slash Disney Daydream. Our very first 10 patrons are going to be entered into a drawing to receive a special piece of hand-drawn art created by Emma. We still have a few slots open, and it does not matter which donation tier you're in. So if you would like to be entered into that drawing, make sure to come on over and become a patron to us. Moving into our news topics for today, the Game of Thrones creators are stepping away from their movie trilogy deal with Lucasfilm. So David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, the showrunners for Game of Thrones, they are not going to be creating the next trilogy for Star Wars. That was set to launch in 2022, and it was going to take Star Wars into the post-Skywalker era. 
According to Benioff and Weiss, the reasons behind them stepping away are their busy schedules and the signing of their recent $200 million deal with Netflix. So apparently they said that they wouldn't be able to balance all of their priorities there. And here's a quote from the two. We love Star Wars. When George Lucas built it, he built us too. Getting to talk about Star Wars with him and the current Star Wars team was the thrill of a lifetime, and we will always be indebted to the saga that changed everything. There are only so many hours in the day, and we felt we could not do justice to both Star Wars and our Netflix projects, so we are regretfully stepping away. After reading that, though, I was just thinking, you know, here's the thing. You don't really just step away from Star Wars. There must have been something else going on here, I think. And I'm getting the sense that there are some irreconcilable creative differences between Disney and Benioff and Weiss. I think they probably wanted more creative control over the direction of the trilogy than Disney was prepared to give. And overall, I think that's going to end up being a very smart move for them. Because that franchise is not doing so well. I mean, it's not lived up to expectations. Marvel has just taken off, but Star Wars, a lot of hardcore fans have been really disappointed, especially with episode eight. So if you're not going to even be able to tell the story that you want to tell, then why do it? And why jump into that pit? I mean, you know that Netflix probably just gave them a clean slate to do whatever they wanted. And if they're going to throw $200 million at you, then I guess you're going to take that on instead. But good for Bob Iger. He actually came out with what I thought was a really, really nice comment here. He said, uh, and I quote, I have stated publicly that I think we made and released too many films over a short period of time. I have not said that they were disappointing in any way. I've not said that I'm disappointed in their performance. I just think that there's something so special about a Star Wars film and less is more. That just sums it up perfectly, I think. Coming out with a new Star Wars film every single year, I mean, we don't need that in a time where you'd expect them to try and milk every single penny that they can out of their franchises. This was actually a really good move because you don't want to go past the point of no return with your fans and create a lot of ill will between you and your hardcore Star Wars fans here. So I think that's a good move. And I think they should just take, take a step back, take a few years of a breather here. You already have enough um, original content coming out with all of your Disney plus things. So in my opinion, you don't need more than that. But what do you guys think about them stepping away? I'm super disappointed that this affected Game of Thrones. I was not pleased with the ending of such an incredible TV series. They definitely rushed through season eight to get onto this Star Wars project. But as disappointing as that is, I think it's also a smart move for them. Star Wars hasn't been super successful and it's kind of losing its steam in the movies. So I think taking some time before creating some more films will be good for the franchise. Yeah. And we're not an HBO uh, podcast here, but um, Kylie and I, especially we're huge, huge game of Thrones fans. And to me, that was also the most disappointing part about all of this season. Eight was widely regarded as not being very good. 
regardless of whether you were happy with the ending or not, it certainly felt rushed. And a big part of why they rushed through this and didn't give it the justice that it deserved was because they were looking forward to their next projects with Star Wars. And apparently now just with Netflix. And I think that was a huge mistake on their part, and it's caused them to take a big hit in terms of their reputation. And, I mean, deservedly so. When you create something like that, you want to see it through to the end. So the fact that they didn't do that, and now they won't be at the helm of the next Star Wars trilogy is, you know, (laughs) kind of disappointed. And it makes you think that it was all for nothing there. I think I should mention that I have a lot of faith in these guys. And I think that transforming the Game of Thrones books into television was not as easy as some people thought it was going to be. And I think they deserve a ton of credit for bringing pretty much the highest number of Emmys to any show ever made. So I think they are a lot more talented than some people are giving them credit for now. I don't think they ruined Game of Thrones. I think they rushed through Game of Thrones and just didn't really give it the time that it needed to develop. Um, yeah, I I mean, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but um, about them not continuing with Star Wars right now, I, I really like Star Wars and I look forward to the movies coming out, but I mean, if it means the movies are going to be better, then I think it's fine to take some time away from them, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think it's kind of disappointing, but it, it was ultimately a good decision. Sometimes you just need to know when to stop. And <laughs> after this, I mean, we'll see with the rise of Skywalker how that does, but I feel like everybody could use a break after <laughs> this next movie comes out in December. But okay, Kylie, let's uh, get an update about what's going on here at Epcot. So construction for the Epcot overhaul is underway, and with such a big transformation of a park, you're going to experience a lot of construction. Um, Disney doesn't seem to be wasting any time with getting this overhaul moving, so Epcot is basically a maze of construction walls right now. Um, Some exciting news, a brand new tram area has been completed, the new tram's Circle is super spacious and now ends right in front of the monorail station. They've basically just reformatted the entire layout of the entrance to the park. So bag check has been moved and additional tables and metal detectors have been added to allow more guests to make it through more efficiently. And with the new location of bag check, you now get off the monorail past the bag check station. So you'll get checked if you're riding the monorail before you get on the monorail, and then you won't have to get checked a second time when you get off the monorail, which is going to help with crowd control there. So that is something people are really excited about. And then going past bag check, the legal leave a legacy monoliths have been completely taken out and construction is taking place in the area just as you enter the park. And I don't know if we've covered this yet, but the whole entrance to the park is going to be completely transformed. So that's why they took those out. It's going to be more in line with that nature uh, feeling that they're adding to some elements of the park. And I think it's going to be really beautiful. Yeah. So currently the entire left side of the entryway is blocked off and basically been taken out to dirt at the moment. 
Um, and then they'll complete the left side and then they'll do the same thing with the right. They'll block the right off and redo that section of the entryway in the same way that they redid the left. So after you get into the park, the area of the park that will house Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind and the Play Pavilion is now completely blocked off with construction walls. You used to be able to walk back there quite a bit, but now you can pretty much only access Mission Space and Test Track on that side of the park. Construction is extending all the way towards World Showcase on the south side of Innoventions East, so a lot of your walkways have been blocked off and getting back to the world showcase is kind of difficult right now you kind of have to take a roundabout way demolition is also taking place on the south side of innovations west where the fountain of nations used to be a lot of people are super sad about this but the fountain of nations has now been completely removed all of the tiers of the old fountain are gone. Basically, all that's still standing is the main plumbing system. But with how quickly this demolition is moving, they're expecting to, that to be gone within a week or so. So they're really moving quickly on demolishing that area of the park. And the areas on both sides of Spaceship Earth are also being cleared out. This... We're not exactly sure what this is for, but we think it has to do with the foot traffic, especially with the holidays coming up and the amount of construction that's going on. They need to make sure that people can still maneuver through this maze of construction. Uh, construction is also going on behind France for the Ratatouille ride. This construction has been going on for a while now. You used to really only be able to go in the front and like middle section of France, but now you can actually walk. Well, once the construction is complete, you'll be able to walk all the way around to the backside of it. And there's going to be a whole additional street scene leading you back to the ride. So a lot of stuff is happening back there. There's pretty much over 20 construction sites right now happening at Epcot. So a lot is going on, but the good news is this construction is moving really quickly. Um, these aren't walls that you're going to be seeing for months and months. There are walls that you're going to be seeing for a few weeks, and then those walls will be taken down and the walls will move to other parts of the park. So at least they're blowing through it quickly, and this kind of had to happen at some point, but not a great time to be visiting Epcot, in my opinion, right now. Yeah, and the walls may not be up for very long, but they're going to shift to other places. So I would just say three words, manage your expectations. If you're going to be visiting Epcot between now and basically 2021, around the 50th, there's going to be some major construction going on, at least in certain parts of the park. So just know what to expect. And it's going to be kind of annoying maneuvering your way through the park. And from what I've uh, listened to and seen on vlogs, yeah, it's like a, a sea of walls around you. So um, that's tough. But at least for now, uh, it seems like the World Showcase area is pretty much operating as it normally would. Um, so that's that's good news. And hopefully that new tram station and the, the bag check that happens before you make it to the park. That, that sounds like actually a really good idea. This brings about a little discussion that we should have. It's about... Uh, Disney World opening up a fifth theme park because hearing about construction like this, I think this is the main one of the main reasons why Disney needs 
a fifth park. Think about how many years it's been since you've been able to take a Disney trip and go through a theme park where there's not construction happening. There are things being built all the time. And while it's exciting, it's also kind of annoying. And it's just like when you have renovations on this scale, and don't get me wrong, Epcot needs it. And I think it's, this is the most exciting thing happening at Disney world right now, but it's also just like, okay, can't this construction just happen. And then we get to experience a completely new gate and something that we haven't seen before. And maybe we can take a few years where you're not adding a huge new section to one of your parks do you, what do you guys think about that? I mean, it's just, it seems like that construction is never ending and coming from people who live in Michigan, we know what that feels like because we can't drive around anywhere without seeing construction. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it takes away a bit of that Disney magic, you know, I mean, it's not like the construction is super distracting or anything. And yeah, like you were saying, Austin, it's exciting that they are renovating things, but um, I definitely think it would be nice to be able to not have that going on while you're in Disney, like, all the time. I don't know. I look forward to the new and all the things that are being added to the parks. I think it's exciting, and as annoying as the construction can be, it's something that I'm willing to put up with for what we get out of it and it's these parks that seem to be constantly evolving they're never the same I just don't think Disney is in a place right now to open a fifth park I think that they need to take care of the parks that they have right now first and make sure that they're the best that they can be before they open up that fifth park and like you said Epcot really needs this this overhaul so I just don't know if this is great timing for that. I get that. I just know I'd be so upset if I went to Epcot right now and saw this construction. And just think about, though, how far in advance you have to plan your trips. And you could have planned your trip uh, a, nearly a year and a half ago, and you have no idea that this construction is going to be taking place. And then all of a sudden it D23, this is all dropped. They start the construction a month later, and then your trip's already planned and you can't do anything about it. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I think you have to take into account the uh, the feelings of people who like totally didn't see this coming or because they don't follow Disney news as like intensely as we do, they they just totally don't know that it's going on. And then they come and they just are totally unprepared for it. So I just think it's kind of a balance that you have to strike, but it definitely is exciting and be looking forward to seeing it completed. Um, So moving on, Emma, what is going on for the Festival of Holidays down in California? So um, California Adventure has added a ton of new entertainment options for the Festival of Holidays. They have Mickey's Happy Holidays, which is a new character celebration that features Disney and Pixar characters and also the holiday toy drummers. And you can see Mickey and his pals twice daily as they dance to a mix of high energy music. And they also have holiday sunset concerts, which feature um, rock cover bands. So basically, during the Festival of Holidays, they're just adding a 
ton of cool holiday theming and new um, entertainment during the day. And that is going on from now until January 6th, 2020. So I still have very fond but vague memories of when we were actually able to go down to Disney World during the holiday season. One of the most memorable trips because the way they decorate Magic Kingdom and the resorts is just stunning. And it's something that every Disney fan should experience, I think. Just getting down there at least once to see that stuff and to experience all the special events that they have going on during the holiday season. I mean, Emma, you probably, that was before memory for you, wasn't it? Well, um, yeah, I think... That was the trip I got the croup, right? Was it? Oh. Yeah. yeah it um, Yikes. <laughs> so that's the only thing I remember about that trip. But, I mean, I would love to go see that. Because, I, yeah, I really want to see the holiday decorations and stuff. Um, I don't remember it at all. But I, I definitely want to do that sometime. Yeah, I would. I would love to go back. I remember it vaguely as well. And just watching, I watched a video recently about how they transform from Halloween to Christmas basically overnight. Oh, and yeah. It's just, it's fascinating. It's amazing what they do to decorate and it just looks so beautiful, but it's always so busy. Yeah. That's a downside for sure. Yep. The, definitely one of the most busiest times of the year when you get to right around Christmas and then into New Year's. And there's something to be said about a theme park that's able to get you completely into the holiday spirit and make you just feel that joy uh, when you're in Orlando, Florida, and it's still like probably 75 degrees outside. So (laughs) to make you feel kind of that extra special wintry feeling down there is, is pretty special. But please stay with us. We have our next guide for you coming up. It's a guide to Epcot in our four-part series. So that topic is coming right up. Okay, so we have started a uh, series of themed topics. We are doing guides to each of the parks in Walt Disney World. Last episode, we did a guide to Magic Kingdom. So if you haven't heard that one, then go ahead and check it out. And today is a guide to Epcot. Just a little warning here. Of course, we're trying to give you a brief overview of the park and then a suggested itinerary if you want to try to see a lot of the things that we find to be pretty spectacular in just one day. So there are things that we leave out. Of course, this is just our opinion. It's what our family likes to do. And your mileage may vary. So you might enjoy other things and that's completely fine. But we're just giving you our best um, suggested itinerary. So Emma's going to start us off today talking a little bit about Epcot's history. 
All right, so Epcot was originally known as the um, Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. It first opened October 1st, 1982. It was one of Walt's last um, designs and ambitions before his death. He didn't see it as being a theme park, though. He wanted it to be an actual city and an actual community. But the idea disbanded after Walt's death because it was too ambitious and um, the people who took over for him didn't feel like they could um, execute it without Walt's um, creative leadership. So there are two parts to the to Epcot. There's Future World, which is based on um, the intended optimistic and innovative themes um, that Walt intended for his version of Epcot. And then there's the World Showcase, which is based on Walt's idea for um, sort of an endless World's Fair. So um, that's kind of the inspiration for the park. And then getting to the park layout, Basically, you walk in and you see this absolutely huge white golf ball looking thing. And a lot of people just call it the Epcot ball, but us pros call it Spaceship Earth. You know, it's actually a ride. After you walk under Spaceship Earth, you enter Future World. To, to the left is Future World East, which has attractions like Test Track, Admission Space, and on the right, there's Future World West, where you can find the Seas with Nemo and Friends and the land. Um, past Future World, you enter the World Showcase. There are currently 11 pavilions in the World Showcase. Um, starting from the East End, there's Mexico, Norway, China, Germany, Italy, America, Japan, Morocco, France, the United Kingdom, and Canada. So those are really cool to check out. Then there are a lot of entertainment options, too. Um, there are always shows happening during the day. There are a lot of um, street performers in the different pavilions. That's always super cool to see. They're really entertaining, and it's such an immersive environment because they're all representing different cultures. Um, and there are various concerts that happen at the America Garden Theater in the America Pavilion. And they also have a brand new nighttime show, Epcot Forever. Uh, it's about 11 minutes long, and it takes you through um, Epcot's 37-year history. A lot of people really love the music, and um, especially longtime Disney fans, because it again, takes you through um, Epcot's past, and it features music that has traveled th with Epcot as it has grown. So I think that's really cool, too. Yeah, and in that World Showcase, they do have more space for more pavilions, but actually the most recent additions were in 1988, and no other countries have been added since then. And probably the most rumored country to be added to the world showcase was brazil it's never happened it, it doesn't seem like they're actually going to end up adding anymore they're kind of uh just expanding the existing pavilions like they're doing um for the united kingdom adding that cherry tree lane area so i think that's going to be the move uh and then sometimes other nations make an appearance during the food and wine festival but 
Epcot Forever is only 11 minutes long. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. That just seems a little bit on the shorter side. It's pretty standard, I think. I I guess they just seem longer. The fireworks at Magic Kingdom are like 13 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Okay. I guess that makes sense. It just just seems longer, but... Because I guess I, I'm thinking of like Fantasmic, which is fairly long. Yeah. It's like 25 yeah. minutes. But yeah. okay. So Kylie is up next and she's going to cover some of the attractions and restaurants that you could go to in Epcot. So starting with Future World, the attractions here are Spaceship Earth, The Seas with Nemo and Friends, Turtle Talk with Crush, Living with the Land, Soren, Journey into Imagination with Figment, Mission Space, Test Track, and the Disney and Pixar Short Film Festival. Dining options in Future World are pretty limited. Your table service options are Coral Reef Restaurant and Garden Grill Restaurant, which has a character dining experience as well. And then for quick service, you have the Electric Umbrella. And Garden Grill has gotten some good buzz lately about being a pretty cool character dining experience. I guess the food's gotten pretty pretty good and it's in one of those rotating like rotunda restaurants so you actually move around in a circle as you eat and i just wanted to put a little plug in for space 220 i usually would not recommend eating at any place in future world because the world showcase has so many good restaurants as kylie will cover very quickly but space 220 seems amazing it's going to use the same type of screens that they'll have on the Galactic Star Cruiser and you'll enter and you'll take this like elevator up to the restaurant and the elevator supposed to be taking you 220 miles into space. And it just seems so cool. Yeah. I'm super pumped about that restaurant. It's gonna be cool. Um, and that will be, yes, located in future world over by the mission space area. Uh, moving on to the World Showcase, the attractions you have here are the Grand Fiesta Tour, Frozen Ever After, Reflections of China, the American Adventure, Impressions de France, and O Canada. And then for dining options, I'm just going to preface this with all of these are, a lot of these are in a different language, so if my speaking is bad, I apologize. Your table service options are... Le Cellieri Steakhouse, <laughs> Rose and Crown Pub, Chefs de France, Monsieur Paul, Le A la Boulangerie Patisserie, Restaurant Mar- Marrakesh, Spice Road Table, Takumi Tai, Tepan Edo, Tokyo Dining, Via Napoli, Ristorante e Pizzeria, Tutto Italia Ristorante Beer Garden. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Beer Garden Restaurant, Nine Dragons Restaurant, Akershus Royal Banquet Hall, and that is also a character dining experience. La Hacienda de San Angel and San Angel in Restaurante. And like I said, I don't speak all of these languages. I think that deserves some, like, a round of applause or something. I'm impressed. What a nice attempt. <laughs> So basically, as you can tell, the World Showcase is the place to eat. Um, They also have quick service restaurants. There's Yorkshire County Fish Shop, uh, 
Tangerine Cafe, Katsura Grill, Regal Eagle is coming very soon, which is replacing the Liberty Inn, uh, Summerfest, Lotus Blossom Cafe, Kringala Bakery Og Cafe, La Con- and La Cantina de San Angel. So there are a ton of dining options in the World Showcase. Speaking of dining options, moving into our itinerary for the day, we actually have to start six months before your trip because 180 days in advance, you're going to log on to your My Disney Experience account and you're going to make your dining reservations when you're in Epcot. I would suggest you eating lunch and dinner in the World Showcase. And yes, you will definitely want a reservation. You can go around to places for lunch and usually get in, but you won't be able to do that for dinner. So reservations are required. Once you get to uh, 60 days out, then it's time for you to book your first three fast passes for the day. Epcot operates on a tiered fast pass system where you select one ride from tier one, which has the most popular rides, and two rides from tier two, which have the moderately popular rides. The tier one attractions include Frozen Ever After, Test Track, Soren, Epcot Character Greeting, and you used to be able to book it for Illuminations, so now you can book a fast pass for Epcot Forever, which gets you into a special viewing area. I recommend that your tier one fast pass is Test Track. Somehow this ride is still frequently breaking down, and it's the attraction at Epcot with the consistently longest wait. So we're talking hour to an hour and a half, and that is not going to change at any point during the day. So you'll be in line for probably an hour and a half because most likely it'll break down at some point of your wait unless you rope drop it, but that's also the most popular rope dropped ride. Your tier two attractions include Mission Space, Spaceship Earth, The Seas with Nemo and Friends, Living with the Land, Pixar Short Film Festival, Turtle Talk with Crush, and Journey into Imagination with Figment. For your last two fast passes, I suggest choosing Spaceship Earth and Mission Space. Usually, none of these tier two rides have a ridiculous weight, but rope dropping Spaceship Earth is very popular because it's right at the front of the park, so I think you'd do better if you actually got your fast pass for that a little bit later. And before you step out of your hotel room for the day, make sure that you're in very comfortable clothing and that you're wearing walking shoes. Epcot is twice the size of Magic Kingdom, and there is a lot to explore in the World Showcase area. That means you'll be on your feet for most of the day, and you need to be prepared to log some serious mileage. After all that pre-vacation planning is done, arrive around half an hour to 45 minutes before opening. Just because navigating Epcot, especially right now, is going to be very tricky, you want to make sure that you get through that bag check in time, you make it through the crowded entrance area, And I'm going to suggest that you head straight back to the land pavilion so that you can rope drop Soren. It's a really beautiful and relaxing ride, and it will really get your day started off on the right track. Hopefully you're able to get through that in about half an hour. And then I would suggest leaving the land because our family doesn't really care for the living with the land attraction. Um, It's kind of a longer boat ride that turns into partly a greenhouse tour so we just kind of leave after doing Soren. 
The Future World area of Epcot is fairly small, so if you have to hop around from place to place in order to get to your Fast Pass attraction that attractions, that's not going to be a very big deal. Whatever you do, just don't have a snack or a meal before going on Mission Space. This is a G-Force simulation ride, and if you're prone to motion sickness, I suggest just not riding it at all. They offer two tracks, an orange track for a more intense experience and a green track for a less intense experience. I'm pretty sure that Kylie M and I would classify this ride as okay or pretty good. To me, it's definitely not worth the risk of ruining the rest of your day if you think it might make you sick. And unfortunately, I'm not super old, but I'm actually getting to the point where going on the orange track, I feel a little bit queasy after it. So (laughs) personally, I actually don't know (laughs) if I'll be even riding that the next time I go. But once you've landed your rocket on Mars and Mission Space, and then you've taken your journey through the history of humanity on Spaceship Earth, head over to the seas with Nemo and friends. You'll wait a very, very short amount of time for the attraction, and then you will emerge into the sea base, which is a multi-story aquarium. It's fun to spend a little bit of time exploring the aquarium, and I would definitely recommend going in to see Turtle Talk with Crush. This is basically a comedy show where guests, and they usually um, go with kids, they get to have a conversation with the animated Crush who comes to life on screen. Each conversation is different, And although some of the gimmicks that happen in the show are the same every time, there's actually a fair amount of variety. And as for any attraction that utilizes kids, you know, you never really know what to expect. So anything can happen. Hopefully after getting through the seas with Nemo and friends, your test track fast pass is going to happen sometime around noon. Get yourself over to Future World East and ride it. And then it's time to start thinking about heading into the World Showcase. Pass by the Journey into Imagination with Figment attraction on your way there and check the wait time. If the wait is 20 minutes or less, then go ahead and ride it. Otherwise, I would personally suggest that you skip it. There are big fans of Figment out there, but I think that part of the attraction is good. Part of the attraction, to me, is kind of annoying. And if you have to miss it, then I wouldn't be too upset about that. But I know... Emma likes to get on this one when we go, so. I love it. I don't know why, but I love it. Yeah, you and you might enjoy it too, but I think for sure if it's around 20 minutes, definitely worth giving it a try. Because the food is such a great part of the World Showcase, uh, your first stop should be the pavilion where your restaurant is, where you made your lunch reservation. There are countless good options to choose from, Last trip, we had a great lunch experience at Tokyo Dining in Japan, but I would also recommend Rose and Crown Pub or Chefs de France from people that I've read or listened to, or Vianopoli from personal experience. While you're eating, make sure to check and see if you can book additional fast passes. If there's still anything available for Frozen Ever After, then you've hit the jackpot, so book that. Or if not, try and book a fast pass for Epcot Forever in order to get your reserved seating. After lunch, you're going to want to use the entire rest of your day to explore the World Showcase. Operate around World Showcase Lagoon clockwise or counterclockwise to save your feet from excessive walking. It's nearly a mile and a half to walk around the entire thing, so you don't want to be doing too much skipping around. The pavilion you just finished eating lunch in obviously is going to be your starting point. 
and it's probably a good idea beforehand to think about booking your dinner reservation at least a few pavilions away. It's strange to try and tell you how to explore these incredibly detailed pavilions because you'll walk into them and just become immediately immersed in another culture. The best part of World Showcase to me is the fact that these pavilions don't seem like a cheap theme park replication or an appropriation of a culture. Each nation that's represented actually played a really big role in designing their pavilion, and the cast members that work there are actually from that respective country. And it's that added layer of authenticity that takes the World Showcase over the top. I appreciate this area of Epcot now in a way that I just couldn't as a little kid. Not only are the pavilions beautiful, but they're also highly educational. All of them have some type of mini-museum, show, or attraction that gives you a look into the nation's culture or history. And I'm just going to go quickly through some of the things that you can find while you're exploring. In Mexico, they have a traditional Mexican street market that's contained inside a Mesoamerican pyramid. Cast members create glass figurines and wood carvings, and you can purchase those. Norway's pavilion has a staved church with a gallery that explores myths and legends of the Vikings. China's pavilion reflects Beijing's summer palace, and you can watch a show called Reflections of China, which takes you through the world's most populous country and explores China's beautiful landscape. Germany contains a clock tower and its own miniature Bavarian village. Italy's pavilion reflects the architecture of Venice, Florence, and Rome. The United States pavilion hosts the choral group Voices of Liberty and an attraction called the American Adventure and an American Heritage Gallery. Japan's pavilion contains an incredible department store and the Bijutsu Khan Gallery, which is all about famous anime characters. The Moroccan Pavilion has a gallery of arts and history that displays textiles, jewelry, and body art. The French Pavilion has an Eiffel Tower replication and an attraction called Impressions de France. This is an 18-minute film, and it showcases the beauty of the country. The UK Pavilion has that Rose and Crown pub that I mentioned earlier, and also the British Revolution Rock Band that performs multiple times a day. And then, lastly, the Canadian Pavilion has the Trading Post, where you can spot ornately carved totem poles and an educational attraction called O Canada. So much of what you want to do for the rest of the day depends on your personal preference. I tend to like the Japan, Mexico, Germany, and France pavilions the best, but there are certainly fun things to discover in every pavilion. And... I believe that either Kylie or Emma mentioned the live performers that happen throughout the day. Those are still happening, but that is something that our good friend Bob Chapek has decided isn't super important. And many of those performers are unfortunately being phased out and eliminated. So that is um, very sad to me. Uh, you'll still be able to catch certain performers, but not not as many as you used to be able to do. So if it sounds to you like Epcot is a bit light in terms of riding attractions, then you're correct. And until the 50th, until that renovation's complete and we have the Rat- Ratatouille ride, Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster, the Journey of Water attraction, and the Cherry Tree Lane attraction, that's just going to be the case. There aren't a ton of things to actually ride. 
This is one of the reasons why I think exploring Epcot is a lot different if you have kids versus if you're going with a full group of adults. With very small kids, you might not want to spend as much time in the World Showcase section of the park, but make sure that you check out that Mesoamerican pyramid that's the Mexico Pavilion, because there you're going to find the Grand Fiesta Tour starring the Three Caballeros. That's a fun and beautiful boat ride where you search for Donald while catching glimpses of the rainforest and volcano that's inside the pyramid. The ambiance in the street market that is in this pavilion is just incredible. And you'll probably be dying to get a reservation to eat at the San Angel Inn restaurant, but don't. This place is expensive, it's awful, the food is bad, and the tables are super close together. You can pretty much go to a better Mexican restaurant in any city in the country. So admire that restaurant from afar. Um, I actually, the quick service part of the Mexico Pavilion, I think is much better than <laughs> I was the just going to say dining. that you can even find a better Mexican restaurant in Epcot if you just go across the street and do the quick service. But is this also one of your favorite parts of the park? I mean, this, I this pavilion is the Mexico awesome. Pavilion. It's even the ride is so fun. I, I love everything about it except the food inside which is weird i also really like it i mean i think it has a really cool atmosphere and um it's really cool to be in that um like marketplace area and see just a ton of cool stuff it's really fun Mm -hmm. after a few hours of exploration it'll be time for your dinner reservation hopefully you're somewhat near the country that you planned on eating in Recommended spots include Restaurant Marrakesh in Morocco or Tutto Italia in Italy for a nice meal. You could go to Monsieur Paul in France or Le Cellier in Canada if you want a more upscale dining experience. So in the hours between dinner and Epcot Forever, which usually happens around 10, explore the pavilions that you missed. Check the wait time for Journey into Imagination if you missed it earlier. Make sure that you get to Norway to ride Frozen Ever After. I loved that attraction. I think it is great, and it has the same track as the Viking ride used to have, Maelstrom, which I loved <laughs> when that was a ride, too. The attract the uh, animatronics on this attraction are so cool. They use, like, projections as the faces instead of, like, actual robotically moving faces so they look that much more real it's really cool how they did that i just i love the norway pavilion i don't know what it is about it but i just love it and frozen ever after was the perfect addition to it it's amazing yeah and ideally you're able to snag a late fast pass for it but if not the wait time you can usually catch it around an hour so it's, it's totally worth the wait, and most of the wait's indoors, and that's also a plus. So check out the show that takes place on the World Showcase Lagoon. That'll be Epcot Forever if you're visiting very soon, or Harmonious if you're visiting later. And trust me, after that, you'll be definitely ready to head back to your resort after a ton of walking and a very, very busy day. There are some things that Epcot offers that you'll want to take advantage of if you have those little kids instead of walking around the showcase for hours upon end. Kylie's going to give us a little bit of some alternatives that you can do. Yes, I think one of the most important things to know about 
if you are traveling with kids is the KidCot Fun Stops. These are located around the World Showcase in the different pavilions and the kids can go around and get stamps from each pavilion and they also have a little like souvenir craft type thing that they can do. Um, it's different for each one based on the country that they're in, but that kind of makes the world showcase more fun and exciting for the kids rather than just walking around a museum or, um, these big pavilions that like Austin said, you can't really appreciate as a young child. I would also recommend spending more time at Seabase at the seas with Nemo and friends. There's tons of stuff to do here. A lot of cool things to explore. They also have a lot of entertainment type things like feeding the different animals and talks with the different trainers just like if you were at an actual like aquarium and they have Bruce's Shark World which is kind of an indoor play place where you can like crawl inside the mouth of Bruce the shark and do all that have they have all this fun all these fun games that the kids can play Another thing to check out is Imageworks. This is connected to the Imagination Ride with Figment, and they have a bunch of, again, cool interactive um, futuristic type games that explore imagination, and there's the What If Labs are in there, um, just kind of science-based exciting things like that. If you uh, if your kids are into space, you can check out the Advanced Training Lab, which is connected to Mission Space. And this is kind of the same sort of thing, um, video game style uh, interactive activities to do that with space. So you're basically like training to become an astronaut or whatever. So you can explore that area. There's also Project Tomorrow, Inventing the Wonders of the Future, which is connected to Spaceship Earth. Again, another interactive area that you can check out and then the character spot this is where you're going to find the most characters at epcot um, i would recommend fast passing this if this is important to your kids um, usually it's the main characters like mickey minnie goofy donald they might have one or two others thrown in there depending on the time of day so yeah if you want to guarantee that you can get through there I recommend using one of your fast passes for that. And if your kids need a little nap during the day, then you can always head over to the American Pavilion and go see the American Adventure. <laughs> it's a really long attraction, and the show is what is it like? Twenty five minutes. It's Something it's long. Like and the last time we went in there, it was kind of to escape the rain. We went to Epcot on a super rainy day. We got in there, and I think we were all out in about three minutes. <laughs> we also, at least Emma and I, took our shoes and socks off because they were soaked from the rain and walking yeah. in the rain. Yep. So we took our shoes and socks off and then took a nap. Yeah. yeah I think we good. all personally like kind of exploring the world when we're in World Showcase. So going to America's Pavilion is kind of like, well... We get to kind of do that a lot. It's kind of fun to get into a different culture <laughs> when you're there. I also feel like the America Pavilion is like kind of lame mm -hmm. in comparison. But again, maybe that's just because it's our culture and we experience it all the time. Yeah. Rather than the others. Could be. I don't know. I kind of wish they would reamp the show a little bit, but 
Yeah, certainly. I don't remember any part of that show. <laughs> I you were can't out. Comment. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to uh, leave a conversation about Epcot without mentioning the festivals because there are a lot of them and they are running pretty much year round unless you go during the months of like summer, very late, very late June and July, then you're going to basically run into a festival. Yeah. So, um, some of the most famous festivals are, well, firstly the food and wine festival. You hear about that all the time. I know we've talked about it quite a bit just in passing, um, Still going on? Yes. Started happening at the end of August? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's um, the Festival of the Arts, the Flower and Garden Festival, which is also a really big one, um, and there's the Festival of Holidays. Um, so those are some of the biggest festivals. Um, but, yeah, they're really exciting to um, check out. Like I would, I think it would be really cool to go to some of those festivals because like I haven't flower and garden and festival is definitely on my bucket list Mm -hmm. yeah I think I want to do food and wine the most but flower and garden would definitely be very very cool to see the issue I have with food and wine is you just would spend an obscene amount of money there true because everything you eat you have to pay for it's not like you get a ticket and you can just like sample things it's like you have to buy it so that's one downside for me of food and wine. Yeah. But it's Disney we're talking it. about. Yeah. You, you don't get your, your free samples there. No, you're going to pay for it. So hopefully one day I'll be able to make it down there. And by the looks of it, it'll be running year round very soon. So we'll see. <laughs> no, just a joke, but not really. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. That pretty much covers Epcot. Next episode, we're moving on to Hollywood Studios. So that's going to do it for this episode of Disney Daydream. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll join us for the next one. Remember, be kind to one another and take the time to find a magical moment in each and every day. <laughs>